0: The Car Dealer Podcast is sponsored by SalesLink from Jato, a market insight tool that's purpose built for franchise car dealers. Get analysis on thousands of new vehicle transactions every month from all the major brands. See model mix and trim data for the brands you sell, as well as competitor data, all in the free web-based platform. It lets you track vehicle option uptake, colour preferences, and gives detailed data on pricing and discounts. Sign up for your free SalesLink account today. Visit jato.com slash saleslink to start unlocking your market insights.
1: Welcome back to the Car Dealer Podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favorite stories of the week and ask an industry guest to choose which were the best. I'm John Ray, and joining me this week is a man so bougie, he's got an outdoor dishwasher. It's James Baggart.
0: I haven't anymore because uh, somebody uh, from Facebook came and picked it up for £20 this morning and I didn't tell them it had lived outside my house for six months.
1: Oh, uh, lovely. I hope it works. <laughs> I mean, the outdoor kitchen thing is the latest craze, isn't it? So you've just taken so, it one step further.
0: So why not have an outdoor dishwasher? Exactly?
1: Well, many reasons. One is that it becomes rusty, as yours does, and lives under a tarpaulin. But anyway, how's your week been, James?
0: It has been uh, mixed, John. I think I would say. Can I have some moans as is customary on the podcast?
1: Oh, God, who delivered you a coffee that was too hot this week?
0: Uh, no, <laughs> no, too hot coffees this week. No, uh, I picked, firstly, I picked up a new motorbike this week. Um, so I, um, Got a phone call from the dealer. It was part lane in London.
1: Can I interrupt? Was it exactly the same motorbike as you had last time, but with a different number? It was
0: exactly the same motorbike as I had last time. Uh, But let let me tell you the story. Um, So they called me up and said uh, they needed to get one last deal over the line for September. And I believe them. um, And they gave me a very good offer, which was uh, about £30 a month more than what I was paying. Uh, And the last time I spoke to a dealer, they wanted £150 a month more. So I was pretty keen on, on doing the deal. Um, so I agreed it all over the phone and, and did sign all the documents remotely, went up there to pick it up on Tuesday. Now, this is Part Lane, BMW's flagship BMW dealership. Uh, and I was sort of hoping for a nice handover, you know, a cup of coffee and someone to explain all of the new stuff about my new bike, because it's got a, the new bike's got a digital screen, whereas the last one had had dials so it does lots of clever stuff that I don't know how it does um and the guy said to me um he said oh we've we've moved the uh bike dealership downstairs into the basement now we call it our cave and I was like okay so handover's not going to be in the showroom the handover actually took place on the pavement in the rain outside the front of the dealership um and he said to me he said to me the bike does lots of stuff uh it's very very clever um this is what we call a handbook." Um, I suggest you read the handbook, you know, when you're having a gin and tonic or something, you know, one evening uh, and just take the time to learn how the bike does everything. And I'm thinking, this is not exactly the premium experience I was hoping for from buying a uh, a BMW from their flagship store. Um, And then he said to me, he said, "Um, one thing I've just noticed, uh, it's got a big scratch down the side of it, but don't worry. uh, Don't worry. uh, We'll get that sorted for you. And he just seemed to gloss over it so quickly and I was just, you know, and I was obviously quite pleased that I was getting the bike. Also, wanted to ride home because it was quite a long way back home from London. Um, he said, "I don't know we'll get it sorted." And I was like, "It was only until I left." I was thinking that was the worst handover I've ever had of any vehicle in my life from BMW's flagship showroom. And then the uh, the salesman rang me the next day. It wasn't the same guy who handed over the handed over the bike that I bought it from. How did it go yesterday, James? You know, was it? You, you know, you really happy? I said, like, oh, I don't really want to be that moaning mini, but uh, unfortunately, not very good. Um, and he uh, he was a little bit shocked, um, and he said, "Oh, don't worry, we'll get the uh, we'll get the pannier sprayed for you." And I'm thinking, I don't want it sprayed. No, I want, I want a new bike. I you know I want not a new bike. I want a new pannier. Just send me a yeah. whole. New pannier. But anyway, so that didn't go particularly well, John. And then got home. Next problem, as I've mentioned on the podcast. Uh, before is the EV charging point saga, and I heard you, I heard you mentioned it on last week's podcast. So uh, I will will uh, give you an update on that. I filled in the uh, planning application for the EV charging point at my house. How long do you think that took me?
1: How long did you how long to fill it in? Yeah. Well, is this um dependent on your skills or the length of the form? Because there's uh, both, two variables both. here.
0: <laughs> both.
1: I don't know. Half an hour.
0: No four hours of my time yesterday was spent in spent filling in uh, an application form uh, for the council Um, and then I got to the end of it and instead of the 270 pound I've been told it was going to cost me by the heritage officer uh, they actually tried to bill me 560 pounds so I called the council and they said uh, there's nothing we can do I'm afraid you're just gonna have to pay the 560 pounds and if it's wrong we'll refund you. We, so yeah what's wrong will we from you next oh, i have no idea so i've now got to wait many weeks for for a man in gospel council planning officer so to look at this uh, application with my hand-drawn diagrams of where it's going to go enjoy that um and then we'll uh, we'll see whether i actually get signed off so yes it all in all john that's been uh it's been a great week how's your week been
1: uh well that i can't really top that um i i've been driving around in manchester and liverpool assisting course, yeah, with right. some videoing uh, which has been quite pleasant apart from the weather um but i've been I driving a lovely a... toyota pro s verso van which is actually excellent i must say
0: i did which hear is... the story from uh from nigel the videographer of when you were filming in liverpool uh with the car on display uh and some random man tried to get in it
1: <laughs> yeah i think he thought it was a motor show <laughs> motor show being two cars well uh, that is
0: a motor show these days
1: <laughs> yeah the, I think what it's, it's a little bit, it's not dissimilar to a motor show in that people just walk through your shot as well. I mean, the other the other classic one is just that there was a an elderly woman. Uh, we were on this kind of uh, dockside in Liverpool where there's the Maritime Museum and all this sort of stuff. And we had the car parked up and a door open and Nigel, our videographer, and some other people were discussing some things. And this woman, I was in a high viz, sort of directing people around in my health and safety-ish way. Uh, and this woman walked straight into me rather than walk around me and then proceeded to walk right towards Nigel and this group of people and simply stopped until they got out of the way of her rather than walk two inches around she was just like on a I'm on a straight line I will not stop until I get to the co-op or wherever she was going which I thought was a degree of commitment that I hadn't seen yeah. before
0: oh, good determination I like yeah, it.
1: yeah absolutely anyway that's not well, very, thank you for thank you either. for listening. Thank you for listening to yes. uh, my, my
0: weekly therapy session.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that isn't great. And not what you are oh, speaking of the handover, that's not not brilliant, not brilliant at all. I mean, I. Oh,
0: oh, sorry, just the last point on that. They finished the whole handover with, oh, just so you know, you will get a survey from BMW. It's really important to <laughs> give us, uh, give us uh, five stars. So uh, can you just make sure you do that, please? And I'm thinking, absolutely <laughs> no way. <laughs>
1: Wonderful. Okay, anyway, let's well, on. let's move on. After that moan, I will introduce our guest or guests this week. We have two guests, and they are Jody Barber and Joanna Smith, co-founders of Wink Cars. Welcome.
2: Hey. Um. Hi.
0: <laughs> Hello to you both. Sorry you had to listen to us moaning. No, actually, sorry, me moaning.
2: James, That's one it's... question regards to the bike. Did oh. they know who you was? Like, did I have... Well,
0: I mean we'd exchanged a lot of emails and it was on my email signature so I, he does I had...
1: say he often introduces himself with don't you know who I am yeah <laughs> um, <Shut> up, John.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just um well no, uh, well yeah maybe I think it was um it was definitely on my email let's put it that way so yeah. it mm,
1: was disappointing it has anyway. no weight evidently but there we are why anyway anything? let's
0: stop let's stop talking about us. Tell us a little bit about your business
3: right. then Joe, so shall, shall I start how we sh- we'll go from where we started. So it was about three years ago now. We came out of the back of COVID. um I had no previous experience in car sales. I was into a totally different career, self-employed. I was actually doing beauty hence the hair and makeup and all that. and um Joe, has seven years in no eight years sales experience now, Joe and um, approached me with the idea. Um, Obviously, I was suffering at the back end of COVID with my business. Um, she came with a new challenge, and yeah, she she's a good saleswoman, let's just say that. <laughs> she sold me the idea very well, and uh, we went from there.
2: Um, and go on, Jo. Yeah, so I had seven years um experience within commercial dealerships and family-run da- uh, dealerships. So I was doing it, then left the trade for a couple of years, two years left, and I just miss it. I missed it so much. And I thought, I've seen these family dealers doing it and people around me. And I thought, why not? Saw a gap in the market for a female ran car dealer. Um, I saw in dealerships, I'd done well myself in the dealerships, saw the gap there and approached Jodie with the idea. And it went from there. We started off, well, I started selling a couple off my drive to start with, about three years this Christmas come in. And then in February, me and Jodie got together. That's when I approached her with the idea. And then we started just trading from the back of an industrial estate, keep the overheads low, start with your low value cars as you do less than a grand, get them in and strike yeah. back out sort of thing, building that pot up. And then we moved to our pitch uh, just over 12 months ago now. Um, so 30 car pitch, we stock roughly about 15, 20 cars, in in stock it's just next to a car wash on the busy road a uh, great location for for what we do with, our, with the low value cars and then it's just grew from there really and we've started um buying bigger stock now getting more sale on returns and testing different markets and it, it's good isn't it Joel we're very in the infantry stage still and we're not where we want to be but so far
3: we're on, we're on the right start. We're on the right, we're on the right path, aren't we? Anyway, it's snow cold okay. and it's it's yeah, it's uh, organically grown into something. And uh, yeah, we're on the right path anyway. So uh well, our way well,
0: up. Congratulations on, on getting off the ground. That's no that's no no mean feat. I mean th- off there'll be a lot of people listening to this who want to do want to do something similar or may have done done something similar. And a question I've been asking on our car dealer inspiring leaders podcast is is what, would, what have you learned I, I, during that time that, you, that, that, that was the most important lesson? What would you like to go back and tell yourself when you, when you started that, started the business?
2: Patience. Yeah. Like three years have gone like that. And at the time, we wanted to be where we are now. And I'm already thinking like, we're already thinking where we want to be in the next three years. But those mm-hmm. three years have gone so quick. So just have a bit of patience. Keep doing what you're doing. Have pride in what you do offer a good service don't get ahead of yourself um and yeah just patience really with it the uh,
0: the the other thing i would i would say is we're always desperate to talk to inspiring females in the motor industry because there's not enough of them you know and the, the industry does recognise that they've got the 30% club where the, the the businesses are trying to get more females in the industry what advantage it, has it given you be, being females running a car dealership
3: I think it always does have its perks um like you have to be careful what you say but uh, not to offend the males but you have a trustworthy factor there sometimes and uh, people do buy into that and it works in our favor um we do it the right way don't get us wrong it's worked against us a lot in the motor trade as well you know when we started, people didn't take us seriously. They saw two girls rock up with a few cars. We were approaching mechanics, bodywork specialists, and they like, "We had a few eye rolls and things when we walked away." But we 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 tough skin. We use it to our advantage, and um, I, yeah, I think I I think we yeah I, yeah i think we just use it to our advantage and um it, it works well we've got that trustworthy factor we appeal to young moms single parents we also appeal to the older generation and um yeah so
2: it's, it's worked well for us really hasn't it joe working our favor yeah and times have changed like i've worked in dealers like seven years ago i worked for the Pendragon group and those times have changed 10 years ago from 20 years ago 30 years ago these hard sales where you've sat down sit in front of a salesman and he's boom bump, bump, you need this 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 and it's hard sales times have moved on times have changed and we're finding that the public they don't want to be sold to like that anymore and with our approach we put our personality out there when we sell we're, we're honest if we don't know the answer we'll say we'll tell them we don't know the answer if the car's going to be a couple more days because it needs works doing we'd be honest about that and people respect that and want that more these days than to be sat down and hard sold to them like there was in the day and i mean there's no right or wrong way to sell as long as you get the car sold but for ourselves this is how this, this is what works for us
0: has it in inspired any of your friends to do to do anything similar
2: Um, Car sales, I don't know about car sales, George, (laughs) what do
3: you? No, I wouldn't say, probably we are the most tomboy out of our friends as well, so cars probably isn't on their agenda as much, but um, we have had people message us because we've grown our social media on our TikTok, young females message us and say, wow, this is something I want to do, Um, where do we start and ask for advice and things like that, and we're so open to it because... You know, any industry that you're in, there's always room for someone else, you know. Um, So we're so open to helping. um, And, yeah, so we have had a few young females message us, which is quite nice, actually. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I bet it is. And I was going to ask, do do you use uh, this to your advantage in your marketing? So is is it something you shout about?
3: Yeah, Uh, for sure. I'd say we plaster the UK's only female car dealer um, as, as much as we can. It's our USP. Um we find that it works. Well, people see a TikTok, they see a girl in a car. And it doesn't normally match up. So it does work in our favor. Definitely,
2: doesn't it, Joan? Yes, definitely. We, a lot of, we, we've we we been in the paper and we was on the radio as well, just because it is that niche. It's a, something a little bit different. So we do use that to advantage. I'm going to tell every man and his dog that will give me five minutes and listen to us, what we do, because we want to tell it. And we're proud of what we do. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we do scream it from the rooftops, don't we? <laughs> we on the socials as well. And, yeah, we tell as many people and want to get in front of as many people and talk to as many people as we can. We know how key but, it is.
0: So what's the grand plan? Where would you like to see the business?
2: The grand plan at the minute we was talking. We just need to keep building this pot up, keep building the pot up. We adapt with the market at the time and say and adapt with the way cars are changing and like eventually they're going the electric all this so we'll adapt with the market at that time we've just started dabbling in the classic car world and it's something that interests me so much it's such a niche market I'm not familiar with it I've always sold cars like your low values your fiestas focuses so it's completely new and it's learning all that but it's so it's interesting and we sold our first Car on cars and classics yesterday, actually, didn't we, jode Um, so that was quite nice. But what was that? That was a Defender 110. That was, um, so that was annoying. It was good to get in front with the guys at cars and classics, but so we're learning that at the minute. Like, we've got an SL450 and got MGB, and it's just like you're getting these cars in, okay. This the MG we bought, you can sell it as a, it drives, okay. I've been driving it around ourselves, but it needs a full respray, and so we're learning, okay. Do we send it off for a full race sprite advertise it, or just advertise it as it is as a project? So it's just weighing up and what it owes you and the mm-hmm. we're learning, we're learning the market at the minute, but it's it's good, it's very niche. I've found like with Classic car customers, I'll speak to anybody or give me five minutes on them because we learn with classics and we're learning off people who've been in the game for 30, 40 years and customers like I've got a guy I've got on the SL at the minute and I, had a, I gave him a call yesterday, just had a chat with him about the MGB and he's, he, he might not buy the SL off me, but for his advice and just to speak to him about it, because you learn a lot more of those guys and you can watch your YouTube videos, you can sit and you can read up, but you'd properly learn by doing the job, getting out there, getting in front of people. So yeah, um, yeah we'll, we'll test that market, but back to your question, sorry, James, where do we see ourselves At the minute we've got that pitch on the side of the car wash, it's great, we love it, but we wanna grow, we've got, big, we've got, we've got dreams, we don't wanna just stay at the car wash forever, we're doing all right, we could do, but we wanna move to that next stage Earn more money and sell more cars. and <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
0: so where do you get your stock from at the moment then?
3: To be honest with you, we've built quite a community since we started. One thing, what well, big thing for us was aftercare, looking after people because they come back in the long run, and we've a hundred percent seen the results to that. Um, so we do have a lot of customers. We've probably had about Five people refer a car to us the past week, week and a half. So, a lot of people coming back to us, a car that we may have sold to them, come back or um, private sales. We'll have a look on auto trailer, Facebook marketplace, uh, just in the local area. A lot of walk on customers, don't we, Jo?
2: Yeah, walk-ons as well, because we are on that busy road. Got a big sign, a banner outside, sell your car to us. People come on, and that's a great a great way of um, getting in stock as well, because we do use the normal platforms, which everyone does, and we've dabbled with auctions in the past, but got stung. We're not a big company where you can go out and buy 20 cars from auction. It's okay if 10 ain't wrong, plus it's coming out of somebody else's pocket. But we've dabbled with that. But the best sort of we get is just... Um, referrals and people and mm. um, we do a lot of salon on returns as well and we're doing quite well with that and because people trust us to sell their car for them. Um so we've got a bit a few of those in at the minute as well. Um but majority of our stock is referrals auto trade try uh, get the odd one in the paper looking there shouldn't say that's my little secret. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but you've got the the old boys selling the paper and you know that you're either going to get a really good deal, a good steal Oh, they're going to be like, no, boom, get lost. Like, but, yeah. you know, the car's been looked after sort of thing. Get some Rockwood good steels out the paper, actually. It's more little gem, actually, isn't it, Joe? what we yeah. look at? Yeah, on a podcast.
0: <laughs> well, I That's... wish you all the best of luck with it. It's very good to have some fresh faces on the podcast. So thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you, James. Thanks. Yeah. Well,
1: it's we good. shall crack on with the stories then. Uh, so if you haven't listened before, James and I have chosen our favourite stories from the Car Dealer website this week. We don't know what each other has chosen, and we're going to have a chat about each story as we go through. At the end, Jodie and Joe get to decide whose stories were the best and who is the winner. If you want to play along, you can tweet, sorry, X at Cardi the Mag and let us know if you think we've missed anything. I need to update this script. Uh, I won last week, so I am going to start with, unsurprisingly, Pendragon, the story that does not go away. So uh, I feel like I recap this every week. There's been lots of offers made for Pendragon. I'm not going to reiterate where we're up to now, but the latest news this week is Lithia. They have increased their offer to 35.4p, if I can read my own handwriting, which is a £397 million total offer. Um, There's some slight complication with the way that they are hiving off uh, pine wood and so on and so forth, but it seems to all sort of encompass... Uh Pinewood. So that is a bit of an increase on their previous offer, which I believe was 32 P a share. Is that right? If I imagine that, James.
0: No, it was less than that. It was twenty Less than that. Four.
1: Okay. Well, they've increased their offer. As a result of that, Hedden and Penske, who of course were also in the running, they have now pulled out of the race. Slightly confusingly, of course. Am I right in thinking, James, Hedden have a portion already? um so this is a slightly complicated situation to be in, but they have pulled out of their, their joint offer uh with Penske so that is just leaving AutoNation and Lithia it's looking say our experts that we've to- talked to like Lithia's one is probably the one that's going to go through um I don't really have much more to say about this because I haven't been here so I haven't been writing these stories not that i ever write them anyway but I'm going to hand this over to James who hopefully will have some more insight for us well saying numbers
0: Thank you, John, because funnily enough, all I've done this week is write about Pendragon um, because it's been very busy. But yeah, as you rightly pointed out, this increased offer, which was highly expected, arrived on Monday from from Lithia Motors. It was up against those two offers, one from AutoNation and one from Heading and Penske combined to offer both of those uh, businesses had offered 32 pence per share um so that trumps lithium motors first offer uh obviously that would have made the vote which was going to take place today friday october the 6th um that would that would have made that vote very difficult uh because it wasn't as good as the offers are on the table so lithium had to come up with something bigger uh which they did so this 35.4 pence per share trumps those other two bids um and it all depends really this comes down to whether the shareholders like the fact that they're going to get a cash dividend which is going to be 24.5 pence for the set from from the lithium motors deal which will be for the because they they're effectively buying the assets which are the car dealers the car dealer uh, businesses and the leasing arm but at the same time and they're spinning off Pinewood um, into its own separate business, which they're both going to invest in, and it will take Pendragon's place on the stock market. So those shareholders will not only get this dividend of 24.5 pence from the sale, they'll also retain an 83% share of the business that is going to be pinewood which is effectively what pendragon was on the stock market so they still basically have a piece of the pie for and w- with the hope that that business will increase lithia said in their their announcement on monday a couple of important points firstly they've removed their conditions which was about the car manufacturers backing the deal so mm. you remember when we talked about this the first time there was a story that said they could pull out if 70 percent of the car manufacturers didn't back the deal. They've now removed that. Um, and the second thing is they've removed is that it's subject to CMA approval. Well, this will make Lyft a, a huge business in the UK. Combining Pendragon and Jardine means this is going to be a huge business. The second largest car dealer group in the UK. So th- that will probably be subject to CMA approval they'll probably get it. Uh, in other industries, there are businesses that have got far more of the market than, than these two big dealer groups have. Uh, so we'll probably get the nod from them, but they've removed it nonetheless. So it does make this Lithia bid now even more attractive and probably, as you rightly pointed out, likely to go through. I spoke to three different experts this morning from Liberium, um, Zeus Capital, and um, David Kendrick from UH UHY Hacker Young, all of them think this deal is now going to go through. And the important thing is, one of them pointed out, Heading said in an announcement to the stock market last year that the price that would tip them over the edge was 35 pence a share. So they said they would, if you remember, they'll block any other bid unless it was 35 pence a share, which we've now got on the table. So I think it's even likely that Heading will we'll back this bid. We don't know whether they're going to, uh, but if they do, the deal's over the line. They've already got 28% of the shareholders saying they will definitely back it. With Heading's 28% on top, they've got their 51% majority and the deal goes through. So chances are, if if Heading backs it, deal's done. So it's um it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. We don't know when that vote's going to take place. So that one that was taking place today has been cancelled. And the uh, and restart, hasn't it? It's been, re- yeah, the clock has definitely been reset. So it'll probably be in three weeks' time. Um, so we've got plenty of time for AutoNation to come back and put in another bid. The AutoNation one's interesting because they used to employ Bill Berman, CEO mm. of Pendragon. So you can sort of see where this deal has come about from. Um, they came out of nowhere, didn't they, when they put in, that, put in that bid. 32 pence per share they offered. So actually, increasing that by 5 pence a share to 37 to trump the deal from Lithia, I could see it happening. They've been very quiet. Um, but who knows? I mean the the experts we spoke to this morning know a lot more about the market than I do and they all think this lithia bid's going to go ahead. But nothing would surprise me on this John. I think there mm. could be more for this to play out yet.
1: Yes well it's been it's surprising how it's, it's well okay it's not that surprising. I find it surprising the level of interest in this bidding war in terms yeah. of the upping of the bids and so on. And yeah that lithia obviously lot more keen to expand than we perhaps imagined they were once they'd bought um forgotten the name once they bought jardine jardine thank you the coffee hasn't kicked in yet so yes
0: here's one for you john what happens you've got heading and penske you've both said they're happy to team up to buy pendragon they've been spurned they're gonna heading's gonna have the cash rich 28 shareholding uh from the lithium bid nice big bank balance where do they go next I think virtue looks like a bit of a sitting duck. So, it'd be interesting to see. I do not think this is the this is the last of it. And the the thing that keeps ringing in my ears is the is the comments from Mark Lavery from Dealer Live, where he said by the end of this year he didn't think there would be any listed car dealer businesses yeah. in the UK. How on earth has he has he looked into his crystal ball and seen what's what was coming? I mean, yeah, he is he is obviously the man to follow when it comes to betting, isn't it?
1: Yes, clearly he knows things we don't. Yeah,
0: no, fascinating. So, so um, Joe, did you say you used to work at Pendragon?
2: You did. I worked at Pendragon 2016 for three years.
0: So, have you been following this one quite closely?
2: Yeah, I have. I've been reading it. I've been reading your articles, but yeah, I worked at uh, Evans shore in Warsaw. Um, so they had 300 cars. I've seen a lot of changes while I was there back then. So I mean, I think they had two commission restructures why well, I was there in three years and I know they've had a lot since then um so I know how long this has been going on now the, they opened the car stores when I was there and then I've seen a load of car stores closed down as well um so yeah I just hopefully I hope they get a deal over the line and yeah I wish them well
0: yeah it's um well I think there's Bill Berman's in line for a huge payday off the back of this, isn't he? I don't know if you covered it on this on last week's podcast. It might. Have we come didn't out mention after, that actually. No, might was, have come out of oh, the, the podcast. The
1: fifth story of the saga. I didn't mention. Yeah.
0: But he's he's in line for a five million pound payday off the back of this deal. So he's going to be very keen to get it through. Plus, if the Lithia one um, is is the one that gets the nod, he's going to keep his CEO position on a listed business. So actually, it's not very bad. Not not too bad going, is it for Bill there? So uh, be interesting to see how this one plays out fascinating though john and i to be honest with you i have very much enjoyed writing about it because it's nice to know the real nitty-gritties of these of the comings and goings that we've had here because it gives us lots to write about doesn't it i've enjoyed
1: mm, it. it does well rather you than me with all the various complications of hiving off bits and pieces and
0: it does get to the, the details
1: where... of 70 percent uh of the manufacturers have to go through and so on and so forth yeah. it's been a very long week and i'm very tired james so i'm gonna yeah. it's your story now Go for
0: it. Oh, good. Yeah, it's my go, isn't it? Mm. Um, okay, I am going to start with... Uh, that was obviously my number one story, the Pendragon one, so you have stolen that. Um good but i'm going to start with news also from the stock market this week from listed used car supermarket business motorpoint uh who have booked a 3.7 million pound loss for the first half of the year and i picked this story because it was rather tricky to write so this came out yesterday uh and as you know listed businesses put out rnss to the stock market um and they they take some digging into let's put it that way you have to concentrate pretty hard at seven o'clock in the morning to understand what's gone on but sometimes businesses like virtue who put out a statement this week as well give you loads of detail they give you all the all of the uh, tables and every everything that you could possibly need to understand it Motor points one was very different um, and when you read and read the news you can see why um in their announcement they said that in the first quarter, and I'm going to ask you this, John. See how you read it. Uh, in the first quarter, they made a loss of three point one million pounds, and they said, "But that narrowed in the second quarter to a loss of six hundred thousand pounds." So, how did it, how would you understand that of the total loss that they made?
1: Sorry, just rephrase that question for me again. Yeah, okay, they said in the, the total first quarter. Loss from that.
0: First quarter, three point one million. They lost in the yeah. second quarter. That narrowed to a six hundred thousand pound loss.
1: So in total, that would be what three point seven.
0: Well, it, yes. I mean, you got to it a lot quicker than I did because I, if if you say in my mind a loss has narrowed from three point one million to six hundred thousand pounds, that sounds like the loss is actually six hundred thousand pounds. It sounds. Oh, like I it's see got what better. you mean. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, there were no tables that under that, that explain this. So I read. Th- I must have read that paragraph about. Thirty times, and in the end, I called up the PR and said, "Can you just tell me, in no uncertain terms, how much money they lost in the first in the first half?" Well, obviously, they didn't want to tell me that. But you know, when I asked them the question, it was three point seven millions. But what what they've done is they've just been very clever, as they are in these in these press releases, in the way that they phrase these things, mm. um, and it's sort of designed to soften the blow to the markets. But and, and actually, unless you. Unless you really dig into that like I did and speak to someone, or you're a lot cleverer a, a, and are an accountant, you it's it's hard to get to the hard to get to the bottom. Of it. So, so the what they're saying is,
1: is they had a really terrible first quarter and the second quarter was still terrible but not quite so exactly terrible. Exactly that. Exactly hmm. that.
0: But so the reasons, John, why did they lose so much money? Well, they um, said that they have made some redundancies. um, That's cost them a million pounds. Um, They have um, had some uh, interest uh, expenses that cost them uh, 5.3 million pounds. Uh, But they say the the biggest factor is the macroeconomic conditions, they call it, uh, that we're facing at the moment. They've had to take some swift, decisive action, In the first quarter, they say to right size their business, to reflect the reduced market size and ensure their cash generative um, while they're trading at lower levels of group sales. Um, So they are they're they're not in the best of places. Um, They say they're really struggling with the um, finance rates at the moment uh, that's putting off customers. They're struggling with reduced stock um, and it's resulted in some quite serious losses. Uh, They say that it's getting better um but they didn't give it any indication of how much better it's getting um so there'll be some shareholders in in motorpoint reading those those results rather worried i think
1: mm. i really hate the phrase swift decisive action just uh, just to throw in there because that could either mean that they've seen something coming and have thought right we need to do something about this or they've left it too long and too late and then suddenly had to panic that's uh, yeah. i think you can read that in two different ways not that I'm saying they've done either of those things but this is this is not a huge surprise is it because they were sort of warning about this situation yeah. uh, a few months ago I want to say well, last I mean time, and...
0: yeah last time we had an update they they, mm. they told us they were they were struggling the other interesting thing is there was no sales volumes given in this brief statement it they were it was a half year trading update and if you compare their half year trading update which was 10 to 12 paragraphs long with virtues which was 10 to 12 pages long that it feels like they're trying to soften the blow and not give everything away um which which is a worry
1: Mm. yes we know things are not great for car supermarkets at the moment don't we Mm. i mean how, how are you guys finding it with the you've moved on to you're moving into classics but how do you find the kind of more normal price stock is it a bit of a nightmare at the moment
2: well, the low, those where we started, we, that was one grand bracket cars and now two grand bracket cars and those two grand cars and now three. It's very mm-hmm. hard. We can't put cars out. People want a car for less than a grand. They want an automatic less than 1,500 quid for us to find it, prep it, make sure it's uh, warrant the car. It's not happening these days. You can't, you can't find it. That has still shot up. But the demand for cars less than three grand is still through the roof. We yeah. can't buy any car that we're getting less than three grand. It's if it's with us longer than a week and a half, George, it's dies oh. out.
3: Yeah, yeah. We don't even. Sometimes we haven't even advertised the cars. Walk-ons come on straight away, haven't they, Joe? And um and and snapped it up. But uh that that kind of stock at the minute is just turning over really quickly. Yeah. I did an
0: interview with the auto trader CEO Nathan Coe that also came out this week. That's not on my list of stories, by the way, John. Um, but he said um. He, he said that a lot of dealers are moving down the brackets when it comes to prices. They're kind of, because the, the, it's really hard to get that, that new, nearly new stock. A lot of people are moving down. So I, I can see why you're, you're probably coming under pressure there.
2: Yeah, it is. And obviously because we want to continue doing what we're doing and to find those cars, but at the same time, um, you've got to make sure these cars and you can warrant them. So we won't go out and buy a car just to get somebody in a car for a price less than a grand. We we won't. We just have to set the customer's expectations and explain the market to them. And I think as long as you're honest with that and cars in for three grand, I think there's always going to be a demand there. So there's such a variety of of audience that 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 want them, of the public, whether it's somebody who's just come to the country or it's somebody's first car or somebody's, because of the inflation and interest rises um, going, uh, interest rates rising, we're finding that people are coming out of these finance agreements. They're not renewing them anymore, James. They're coming in a little runaround car. Yeah. But also finding these runaround cars that we are buying off people at the public because, of the why the economy is at the minute and people are trying to save a bit of money, okay, so if they usually service the car every, I don't know, once a year or so, they might think, oh, that extra 200 quid this month, 250, can go towards my energy bill. So the cars, the quality of cars that people are looking at aren't as good as what they used to be. Yes. Um, is what they used to be are the joe
3: you know we, we, we're turning up and there, there seems to be when we compare it to two three years ago there seems to be a few more problems of maintenance and things like that that people aren't getting the tire change here and you know you're everyday people yes. um so yeah we have seen a difference haven't we
0: Do you are you having to explain to people the reasons why the used car market is so tough and that prices have gone up? I mean, we find whenever we publish a video of an interview with Darren Martin or or somebody another used car pricing expert on on youtube a lot of people just say oh this is just dealers having it away this is dealers pushing the market up etc etc they don't understand this supply and demand issue that the that the industry is having and why used car prices are rising do you have to explain that to people you find in you find people just don't understand why why cars are as expensive as they are
2: you have to explain to them because they don't understand. They just still expect that you can get a car for fifteen hundred quid. Now they think they can still find that, but you can. But go on marketplace and it might last you six weeks. So we do have to explain that the market has has rise, has risen the last few few years, and they understand that. Then at the end of the day, I say to them, "Do you want a car? Okay, you can go and buy a car for a grand. It might see you for two, three months. if that, or you can pay two grand and you've got your car." that's got a bit that's you know is reliable um so yeah you just as long as we explain it to them and they know a lot of them James when they're looking at cars online especially if they're looking to buy from a dealer privately yes fair enough but when you're looking to buy from a dealer they can see that that two, that two three gram bracket is is higher now yeah can-
0: mm, interesting we'll be right back The Car Dealer Podcast is sponsored by SalesLink from Jato, a market insight tool that's purpose built for franchise car dealers. Get analysis on thousands of new vehicle transactions every month from all the major brands. See model mix and trim data for the brands you sell, as well as competitor data, all in the free web-based platform. It lets you track vehicle option uptake, colour preferences, and gives detailed data on pricing and discounts. Sign up for your free sales link account today. Visit JTO.com slash sales to start unlocking your market insights. Right, John. Um I think that was my story.
1: It was your story. Thank you. Glad you're but I will I will move us away from results and nitty-gritty financial details. Um and I'm going to talk about wheeler dealers and brewer. Uh so Mike, who's a very good friend of ours, um, had a chat with us. Um, about the 20th anniversary of Wheeler Dealers. Um, but the uh, thing I'm going to talk about is actually he's, he's spoke to us quite candidly about the abuse that he gets online. And if anyone listening follows Mike on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you'll probably have seen him, uh, you know, retweeting and replying to people just... He gets a constant tirade of abuse. But he's he sort of says, you know, although on social media he tries his best to seem like it's not impacting him. Ultimately, he's human. It does impact him. So he gave us quite quite a lot of detail about, you know, the, the threats he gets. I mean, there's some pretty horrible things. It's, it, have a look at the story and have a watch of the interview. But, you know, there's death threats, people threatening to rape his wife and daughter and murder him. He's had people outside his house, all this sort of stuff and he makes the point you know it's it has killed presenters in the past you know caroline flack had a lot of abuse um and it does it does impact him um and it impacts his family and it's just it's interesting to see and horrible to see this this side of um the the coin so to speak and to see what it actually does to him and there's, I think it's it's just a, a wider point about social media um that people don't seem to understand sometimes that there is a person behind the thing. You know, you wouldn't, as he says in this interview, you wouldn't go down to a a car dealer and shout abuse at somebody who was just doing their job of selling cars. You know, he's a, he's a regular guy that's done well and he works hard as he says. So it's it's very sad to hear this because, you know, we, we like Mike, we care about him and we care about everyone. Um, What are your thoughts, James?
0: Well, I mean, I've, I've I've been with Mike um, when he when he's had this had this abuse online. I was I was staying at his place once when um, we, we were doing we were doing something for the magazine, and in the morning he just went, Jane, while we're having a cup of coffee," he went, "Look at this," and he handed me his phone, and he just let me scroll through his replies that he gets on Twitter, and they were horrible. They were honestly horrible. And this is, you know, the first thing he's doing when he's getting up in the morning with his coffee, reading this tirade of abuse, these horrible, horrible comments he's getting from people. And I just think I just said to him then I said, Mike, what you know, how on earth do you cope with this? And he says, I don't honestly. And this, you know, this was a good year or so ago. Uh, He says, I don't cope with it it. And it really does affect me. And the thing is, he is such a lovely guy. You know, the guy you see on TV is the guy in real life. He is no different. He is just a real, nice, genuine man. So when you when you see this abuse, and, and I see it all the time on, on his Twitter feed, um, I, it really annoys me because I, I, I people don't realise the sort of chap he is. I've been with him walking in the street when people come up to him and want a selfie. He will stop with every single person. He will talk to them uh, at car shows. He gets huge numbers of people around him and he will chat to every single one of them. Um, he's that sort of person. So when he when he told us this on in this video and you're right he was very open wasn't he i mean mm. he, he really explained how this has hurt his mental health how he's drinking more than he should as a result um and just how it hurts him and his family um i, I in some ways i'm glad that we could get it out there and i'm glad mm. that we could push it out to people so people realize that it's not it's not all right to be nasty to people, whoever they are online. It's it's you know that that is absolutely wrong. Um, but the the nice thing is, off the back of this, when we I posted it on 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 Twitter, we posted it on Facebook. It's gone on on YouTube, and there's been loads of lovely comments. Uh, there's been lots of people saying, "Mike, we love you. We love what you do. Keep your chin up." Um, and and. It, I've sent lots of them to him, just saying we've had this comment. We had a nice email in this morning, didn't we, from someone mm. from New Zealand saying, I've just watched the video. Um, I, I haven't got social media, but please pass on the message to Mike. I absolutely love him and want him to keep on making wheeler-dealers. So there's a lot of people out there who love him. Um, but it was important to get this message out there because – and Mike wanted to get it out there because – it highlights that there are other people who are probably suffering from bullying in some shape or form uh, in, in, in our industry, there is help out there. You can talk to Ben. They've got um, a free helpline 0808 1311333 or a live chat function on their website where you can get help and you can talk to someone differently. You know, this is the, this is why we support Ben many things that we do uh, and why Mike does. Uh, and he wanted to tell this story to try and, help other people who might be suffering as well. But yeah, it was a difficult story to run, John, but I think it was important that we did.
1: Mm. Yeah. And it was a bit of a surprise, because I don't don't know about you, James, but I didn't know he was going to kind of talk about this when we went into the interview. No. Um, So it's obviously, it's something that's affected him deeply.
0: Yeah, I mean, I put the question in there because I because I'd seen in the last week or so that he'd had a lot more abuse, another round of this abuse, mm. uh, and I thought he might want to comment on it. And he and he quite clearly did. But if people want to watch it, they can find it on our YouTube channel. It's on our on our website, and 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 see him talk candidly about it. Good story, John. Any any comments on that, ladies?
3: Yeah, we're um, sorry. Definitely yes. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we have obviously tried put ourselves out there on TikTok and social media and stuff and we get the backlash of it. We, ex- we Well, you shouldn't expect it. You should have, but you, we kind of do, you know, we just tried to turn it off, not look at the comments. Um, obviously, like I say, it's not something you see all the time, cars and girls next to each other or us talking about it, talking about it um but yeah so we just try and not look at the comments on the tiktoks or sometimes you've just got to enlighten them back and just you know it in a respectful way you know banter it banter it a little bit so uh, we try and do that don't we joe
2: what we get back is not on the scale of like what mike's been talking about though so we get the odd comments here and there. Obviously, we're talking a lot smaller scale because we're not yeah. got a following. When we put ourselves out there, we expect it a little bit, but it's absolutely disgusting. And it's what's wrong with society and social media that Mike and his family are having abuse like this. It's disgusting. Your social media should be a positive thing where you put, you market your business, you market yourself, you can brand on there. He's got so many perks, but something needs to change where he shouldn't be reading comments like that first thing of the morning. And I just, I want to, what's the word I'm looking for? The the fact how he's spoken openly about it and made it all aware within the trade is great because I'm sure he's not, there's other people within the trade that are on those big platforms like Mike that are probably receiving that and bottling it in and holding it to himself. So, our utmost respect and take my hat off to Mike for being so open and honest with what he's he's been receiving comments. Yeah, definitely, definitely.
0: Right. I will move us on, John, shall I? Do I'll go a little bit more lighthearted, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a story about the uh, hapless car thief who was thwarted by a bollard, uh, and jailed after leaving a string of evidence in dealerships. And I picked this story because he's quite possibly the worst thief ever. Uh, so this is a guy who targeted so, teach- so far. Yeah. This is a guy who targeted two car dealerships during a spate of botched burglaries, uh, writes Jack Williams uh, on Car Dealer Magazine. Uh, he's been jailed for 12 months off the back of this. Uh, Andrew Holland, he's 39, he smashed his way into the first dealership, which was Holdcroft Man- Mazda in stoke on Trent, uh, And uh, he uh, made a number of basic errors, John, uh, which led to his ultimate capture. The first was
1: trying to steal some cars, really, that's the. A-
0: <laughs> well, the first thing, he used a crowbar and he smashed the window to force his way into the showroom. Um, and uh, when he got in there, he managed to steal a whole 50 pounds from an unlocked safe. So he was obviously not a safe cracker, uh, but he've got, he got that 50 quid. The problem with that, uh, he dropped the money on his way out uh, of his escape uh, and in doing so left a load of blood uh, uh, at the scene, uh, which linked the police to his uh, to his crime uh, but not content with that he decided to do another one so he went to a renault showroom just down the road uh, where he stole the keys to a toyota yaris uh, which was parked on the forecourt uh, but what he hadn't realized that uh, when he tried to get away from the forecourt he was completely and utterly penned in by bollards uh, that the uh, dealership had put everywhere uh, so he couldn't actually get anywhere but once again uh, he cut himself in the process uh, and left more blood lying around the dealership. And the police managed to link those crimes together, obviously, uh, and to him. Uh, and he appeared in Stoke-on-Trent uh, Crown Court this week, um, where he pleaded guilty. Funnily enough, to those uh, those two crimes, uh, and was jailed. Um, probably not the best career criminal I've heard of. Uh, he's he's clearly not got uh, the skills there to to make a success of this, has he,
1: John? I like the quote here, which is the court heard from prosecutor Richard mcconaughey who said holland had been trying to steal the car in order to drive home to newcastle i assume that's newcastle Underline, which is about five miles away from stoke isn't it so interesting i assume the buses weren't running that day or
0: <laughs> <laughs> well and also he had a little bit of form didn't he the defendant had 27 previous convictions for 69 offenses uh, and was recalled to prison for another offense following the burglaries oh
1: dear it's not gone well for it, oh, has dear,
0: I oh, do. I do like those stories, but I just thought I'd bring the mood up slightly with mm. the useless burglar from very Staples. good. Very Thank good. You. Back to you.
1: Thank you. Um, I will go on to a, um, a motoring story rather than a local newspaper story, which I know <laughs> you love fondly, James, and from your many years there. Um, I will talk about September's fastest selling used cars, according to eBay Motors Group. And interesting well we say this every month every week in fact when we do one of these interesting uh cars are in this top 10 list so the top would you like to guess i don't know why i'm asking you james you've seen this story but would you like to see the story I the fastest the story. selling used car in september
0: was it something completely random like a uh suzuki
1: ignis or something no it was I was
0: about to say a suzuki but no was it like um i don't know a kia Sorento? It was actually
1: the tesla model 3
0: was it really? Oh, it that was. is interesting.
1: And the second fastest was the Audi e-tron. I'm not sure which Audi e-tron, because there's many of them. And, uh,
0: and how long did they take to sell, do we say?
1: 16.9 days for wow. the Tesla Model 3 and 19.7 days for the Audi e-tron. So perhaps the Jaguar I-Pace, in fact, is also in this list. And, well, a Ford Mustang, but we don't think that's a mach probably. probably. Um, but a lot of EVs in this list, yes. despite... The doom and gloom around EVs. I mean, we don't know how much they've sold for. Um, it might have been a slight fire sale situation, but they are obviously still in demand, evidently. Which I thought
0: that was- is interesting. I'm very, very surprised about the Model 3 being top there. But then they have been coming. Those prices have been coming down so fast, haven't they? That mm. They are actually looking quite good value. I mean, there was a time when I have seen them around the 25 grand mark, which actually is a lot of car for that money.
1: It is. And I suppose people have been waiting for it to level out, perhaps, because it's not that it's not, you know, if uh, you're a fan of Apple, aren't you, James? As we know. But oh, yes. if, if suddenly Apple cut the price of iPhones and it kept dropping every month, you might oh, perhaps yeah. wait until the price had drops completely before you went and bought your next one. Doesn't mean you wouldn't want an iPhone, but you'd wait for the prices to level out a bit. Does that make any sense? Interesting no.
0: analogy. Yeah. No, but I'll take it.
1: <laughs> Good. Have you guys considered, have you looked at EVs or are you staying well clear for stock?
2: At the minute, we're staying well clear, aren't we, Joads? I mean, event, we'd like to get there when the infrastructure's caught up with it. But yeah, I've had, I've had a couple of bad experiences. I had, I had a GTE and then I had a 330 in both. The electrics failed on them before they reached 70k. Oh. And it was less than four years old. So I've had bad experiences. So I thought that was... When I was employed for company cars, so let alone when it's a car that we own and we're trying to sell. And yeah, at the minute we're not there.
0: No, I would probably do exactly the same if I was in your position. Um, right, I am going to move us on, John. Um, and I'm gonna start a stick on EVs though. Um, so this was the SMMT sales figures that came out for September, uh, which showed that uh, sales for the 73 plate were up 21% in September. This is obviously compared to last last year. Mm. Uh, it's the 14th month in a row of growth. Um, but in the detail was the bit that worried me the most. Uh, and that was the news that um, private battery electric vehicle sales had fallen by 14.3%, uh, with less than one in 10 private new car buyers opt in to buy an electric car during September. Battery electric vehicles uh, were the uh, the sales were largely driven by fleets and they were up 50.6%. 50.6% and this has led to the smmt calling for some support uh, they say that the the uh, sale of evs needs uh, to to consumers needs a carrot um we obviously used to have the discount didn't we uh, and that's clearly still a discount for for fleets there are some advantages for buying an electric vehicle um especially for company cars but for private buyers not so much um and what worries me about seeing that is the fact that next year twenty-two percent of all sales need to be electric vehicles, don't they? And we're not mm. going to get there without demand coming from private buyers as well as the as well as the fleet.
1: Well, James, I think I think we will. I think it will just be they will appear in the market and um, they'll have to find some homes.
0: Top selling car, John of the uh, of the month.
1: Uh, well, James, I have the story in front of me, and oh, good. So you can read it. <laughs> I can read it. Am I right in thinking it's uh, Britain's? own the nissan Qashqai. it
0: is indeed yeah um competing with the ford puma uh, and it's the same for the year isn't it those two are battling out i can't remember which one is is winning uh but the cash won in september um with eight and a half thousand units sold
1: well the puma is the year-to-date favorite i can tell you On the you, first three lines of this story
0: <laughs> i didn't read that bit sorry but yeah, I was a little bit worried about those uh, the private sales of battery electric vehicles um, dropping by such a considerable margin. I do think the industry is going to need some help in some way, um, some form of incentive from the government to to hit, hit those figures.
1: Mm. I'm not entirely convinced sure it's going to get it, but yes, I mean perhaps it's uh, it's everyone applying for retrospective planning permission. Having put an EV box on their house,
0: could be it could be yes yeah they could be having similar issues to me. Who knows? Nice. But that's um, that is my last story, John, because you've nicked many of them.
1: Okay, well i i will I will pop one more in, which I'm sure is a, a story close to your heart, as you've met this gentleman, Um, Raj Royce's boss, Torsten muller Otvos, has announced his retirement well from Rolls so he's been there 14 years, and he calls that time a remarkable adventure with Rolls-Royce, which I'm sure it would be, because every trip you've ever been on with Rolls-Royce, James, has been a remarkable adventure, has it not? Yeah,
0: that... and has been in a Rolls-Royce, so we yeah, very enjoyable. Yeah,
1: it's true. So he's being replaced by Chris Brownridge, who's the current CEO of BMW UK, mm. um, whereas Torsten is looking forward to new professional challenges and more time for fly fishing, is what he says, which is... Nice nice personal touch to the uh, announcement there. Um, Yes, so it'll be interesting there because, I mean, Rolls-Royce has changed quite a lot, hasn't it, under his uh, direction. We've had the introduction of the first electric Rolls-Royce. Well, I mean, we've had the Calendon, actually, in the last 14 years, haven't we? The first SUV. I can't remember when the Ghost came out. Was that 14 years ago? It's changed dramatically, I think. Before he came along, it must have just been the Phantom and the Phantom Drophead. Yeah. So, mm. where I do think, you see Rolls-Royce going, James?
0: Well, they'll probably be very successful, John, I'm sure. <laughs> I wouldn't like to comment. But um, I thought the interesting part of this was um, Chris's uh, appointment from BMW UK uh, moving across to across to Rolls-Royce. I just thought it was interesting that that's seen as a, as a promotion. You know, it's kind of maybe this shows just how much of a jewel in the crown BMW Group sees Rolls-Royce. Uh, and it does leave a big hole at BMW UK. So they haven't announced, have they, who's going to replace Chris?
1: Not unless I've missed it.
0: No, I haven't seen it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
1: Hmm. OK, well, that's the end of my stories as well. Uh, so I will ask Jodie, Joe, are there any stories you think we've missed this week?
2: we covered that we'd sold our first car on cars and classics didn't we yes
1: <laughs> unfortunately yeah. we weren't made aware of that so we oh, could sorry. A story about it yeah.
2: okay yeah defend the one time no i think you've covered it all what we've what we've read up and researched on yourself joe do you think of anything? yeah i think so from what we've had a look at this week
3: yeah it's all covered excellent
0: like excellent. we did our homework John. yes
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work because I'm not sure who's going to get the deciding vote here. But I'm going to have to ask you both, who do you think is the winner? Who's chosen the best stories? Or explain the stories the best? I'll, you know, because I've just said words and then James has filled in the gaps, quite frankly, this week.
2: I've got okay. James. I think the Pendragon story, which is ongoing, covered that. And also I think the Mike Brewer, um, <laughs> It's what happened this week and what he's spoken about. That's really important. And I think that story is very important to speak about. So, more votes for you, James. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going
3: to gonna, go. I'm gonna back you there then, Joe. and we'll go with James because we spoke about the Mike Brewer story pr- this morning, doing our homework again. And, uh, yeah, we're quite. Uh, it's quite moving, actually. So, yeah, definitely.
0: Well, I'm not going to argue with you both because you are the judges. So thank you very <laughs> much indeed. That's very, very kind of you. It's been <laughs> lovely lovely to have you on. Thank you ever so much for being so open about your business. And I wish you the best of luck with it.
2: Thank you. No. Thanks for
3: having us, guys. Yeah. Wonderful. Thanks for having us. We re- we really appreciate. It. This is big for us, uh, Being a small business and we're growing. And for females within the industry, uh, hopefully,
2: seeing a face on these platforms helps and others too. Such a big platform as well. Being on here, sir, so we appreciate it. Thank you. It's an honour.
1: No worries whatsoever. You're saying all the right things.
2: Yeah. Definitely.
1: <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, all that's left for me to say is thank you to both of you for judging today. It's been great to have you on and all the best with the business. Um, I'm sure it will go from strength to strength. And thank you as well to James for competing. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Make sure you're subscribed so you can be notified when that goes live. If you're listening on Spotify, swipe up now and vote on who you think won. If you want to check out the stories you mentioned today, click the links in the show notes below or head to Uk. Thanks again. And until next time, goodbye.